And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We are here today, uh, going to jump right in. I'm not going to waste any time. I'll give you the preliminaries later. It takes about two minutes, but I'm going to spread it out over the program because today we're going to talk about recharging your life and igniting your power. Recharge your life and ignite your power with... Uh, the Power of Your Animal Instincts. Trust Your Animal Instincts. My guest is the author, Tabitha Scott. Tabitha, thank you so much for joining us on the program uh, because it's one of those aspects that we talk about regularly that I throw out, and that is that I personally believe that nature is our greatest teacher. Welcome to the program. Me too. Thank you, Richard. I'm excited to be here. Well, I tell you, I am surrounded by animals constantly uh, because, um, uh, as I mentioned to you before we started, we have several different animals uh, where we live. Uh, a big black king shepherd named Angus. He's 102 pounds. Uh, we have five, ca four cats. Uh, we used uh -huh. to have nine. But, you know, oh, as time uh -huh. goes on, they pass, you know, and that's just part of the process. Uh, we have, uh, right now, we have four hens, four chickens, egg-laying hens. And then we have rodents running all over the place outside. We have, <laughs> we have owls. I think they're barn owls that kind oh, nice. of like the tasty treat of the rodents. Uh, all kinds of different insects and, you know, and so forth. The birds, uh, I believe, they're not blue jays, but they are blue in color. I think uh, my wife says they're skylarks. Something like that. Oh, okay. And, crow yeah. and crows and uh, finches, quail, deer. We have deer on the property. Beautiful. Uh, used to have turkeys, a big, giant flock of turkeys. Oh, my gosh. I loved it when they came around. And we'd feed them some, some seed and so forth. Oh, it was wonderful. So I've had that influence in my life over the last... I'm going to say last 40 years, because even with my first wife, she had got, we had cats and mm -hmm. she also had a guide dog or actually mm -hmm. several guide dogs. Uh -huh. And so we had, I've had animals probably since, uh, since the uh, early 1980s, mm -hmm. not so much when I was a kid growing up. Yeah. And there is so much to learn from animals, whether there you have a single is. pet and even if it's a bird, uh, we've mm -hmm. had birds too, by the way, not just hens, but uh, we also had lovebirds um, mm -hmm. and so forth. Uh, so uh, let me ask you about uh, what kind of menagerie uh, have you accumulated either in the past or the present? Well, let me tell you about growing up because I grew up on a small farm in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And I had six chickens, two ducks, four horses, two dogs, three cats, and um, an older sister to play with. So. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. Hold on a second. What kind of an animal was she? <laughs> she would have been just the play friend. But uh, yeah, and I loved it because like, I taught my chickens to shake hands and one of the cats loved to ride behind the saddle uh, on the horse sometimes. Oh, it would just wow. meow the whole time. It was oh. ridiculous. It was like Grizzly Adams, you know, but miniature version, <laughs> mm. Kentucky version. So animals have always been an important part in my life. And my parents were elementary school teachers. So my mother always taught us a great respect for nature that any any creature, whether it's an insect or a snake or whatever it is, it might seem scary, but it has a really important purpose in life. And that all of the animals, there's a delicate system and they all need each other. And so um, I really appreciate growing up in a curious household like that, where she would bring in things like um, the caterpillar that uh, hung out on milkweed plants and they turned into monarch butterflies, and we would get to observe the process. Hmm. We're talking, of course, about recharge. To we're talking about recharging your life and igniting your power through trusting your animal instincts. Tabitha Scott's our guest. Um, I'm I'm very interested in uh, you have on the cover of your book an owl. Uh, first of all, is this just a a, a a an artwork that you had put on there, or is this an actual photograph of what type of owl, and why was that, that chosen? Yeah, that owl is um, a great horned owl, 
which is also known as, um, in the early days, they called it the tiger owl. And it is something that the designer came up with, not knowing that the owl was uh, my spirit animal uh, that I mentioned in the book. I actually sent her a picture of me walking through a tunnel in the jungles of Costa Rica. And if you look closely in the owl's eye, you can see that picture of me walking through the tunnel. And um, I had sent her the graphics and she didn't know what the book was about. And uh, she said, I just felt the sense that I should use an owl. And uh, we ended up loving it and putting the other photo in its eye to represent how our intuition is always there inside of us at all times. Oh, that's cool. I see that. And that's that's very cool. Um, first of all, I want to ask you how you found out that the owl was your spirit animal. Well, it's kind of an interesting story in that any of us have answers to uh, from nature that we can glean, but uh, we have to tune into it over time. And don't be afraid to keep asking because it takes a while and it takes a lot of practice. So I am a certified energy engineer on uh, the electrical side, but also on human biofield side. I've studied ancient and modern oh, wow. um, human energy healing techniques and the biofield. And because we're all made of electricity and so are the animals and so is the rest of nature. Um, my theory is that that's how we can tune into animals or nature or each other is because we all are just a series of electrical waves and is tuning in like you're tuning into the radio. And so I was just starting to learn about this phenomena of a spirit animal from people that were doing energy healing work. And many of them could actually see um, entities. They could um, see things that I cannot see, couldn't see. And they knew what their spirit animals were. And I just thought, wow, I love animals so much. I wonder what mine is. And so every night I would say, okay, reveal my spirit animal to me. And I was putting my own bias into it and kept saying, oh, it, it's going to be a big tiger or a puma or a lion or, <laughs> you know, I just, in my mind's eye, I thought it had to be something big and fierce, you know, to protect me. And um, at the time I was going through a pretty rocky relationship and, um, you know, I was hoping, you know, hey, if I could connect to the spirit animal, maybe that would be something cool or something positive to think about. And I would have these thoughts and um, at night I would be awakened by this owl outside my bedroom window. And I was in a subdivision outside of Nashville. Um, it's not where owls would be. It was more a city life. And um, I would get up and fuss at the owl for waking me up. And then the next day <laughs> I would ask, hey, could you please show me my spirit animal? And this, you know, this continued for a time. And um, when escalations would happen in the house, the owl would just go nuts outside. And finally, um, the person at the time said, I don't know what you are feeding that owl, but, you know, it's obnoxious. Make it stop. <laughs> and it wasn't until that moment that I realized the owl was my protector and my spirit animal. And once that relationship of 21 years ended and the person moved on out of the house, um, the owl never came back. I never saw him again. But um, it took a lot of asking and um, a lot of listening. And we tend to put our bias in front of those answers a lot of times. And so the book talks about a series of animals, beginning with snakes, that um, were answers to my questions to the universe. And over time, I got much more in resonance with those um, signals and messages from the animal kingdom, and they came much faster. Mm. Well, I think that's one of the things that we, I want to talk about as well on this program, and that has to do with trusting the universe to answer the questions without expectation as to how it's supposed to appear. I know that it's is... It's hard. That's, yeah, it is hard. <laughs> it is very it's hard. hard. Um, I've been told... But I don't know this for certain, 
that my spirit animal is a bear. But again, that's what I was told. I, as I said, I'm not sure that it's not, that's necessarily true. How do we find out what our spirit animal is? Just ask. You, you <laughs> ask and you keep asking until it occurs to you. Uh, you will know, you will know either um, a, a epiphany where it's just suddenly clear. Sometimes people see words, sometimes they hear words, sometimes they see visualizations of things. Or for me, it's getting goosebumps. When I get goosebumps, I know, oh, this is it. This is, I'm on the right track right now. Mm -hmm. Where can people go on the internet to find out more about you as well as, or I know it's going to be available at Amazon and a bunch of other places. Trust your mm -hmm. animal instincts. Uh, but uh, what's your website? Yeah, they can go to powering-potential.com. And it has information about the book as well as some of the things that I do with energy in working with businesses, for example. I, <clears throat> I made up this word called energist that kind of describes how all of us are made of energy, regardless of our socioeconomic backgrounds, our political beliefs, our religious beliefs, whether we're a human or an animal. Um, we're all energists. We're made from the same energy. And um, religions have talked about this energy, whether it's the Holy Spirit or Chi or Prana. Um, it's the energy source of all things. And the bottom thread throughout is that it's available to all of us. It's free to access. It's totally renewable. And that's my passion is letting people know that you can recharge your life. You can ignite your power. Everything you need is right there inside. Power-Potential is the website, power-potential.com, where you can find out more about Tabitha Scott. She's the founder, uh, as well as an international speaker, award-winning author, and advisor on Powering Personal Potential, which is... Hence the name of the website, powering-potential.com. <laughs> and you're listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true on this program. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and then Wednesdays for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story, 9 a.m., and streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com with podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Amazon Music, as well as iHeartRadio and a bunch of other places, too numerous to mention here. I don't have enough breath for that. Uh, and we are also on YouTube, where you can watch these videos. You know, uh, Tabitha, this is, uh, again, an extraordinary conversation, an extraordinary subject. And you, of course, you're known for your, for your groundbreaking expertise in uh, leveraging the principles of modern and ancient energy to accelerate innovation, productivity, and personal potential. Now, I often think about the personal potential of those people that we lose unnecessarily. Uh, and usually it's through, uh, in this country in particular, maybe through gun violence or just violence in general. Uh, globally, it's through these silly little conflicts that keep rising up around the world. And we send troops and they send troops and we send troops and that, and it just goes on and on. And we lose these people and what they could have contributed to our society uh, that they aren't going to now, unless one were to believe. And I do tend to believe that maybe they will influence people who are still here through the spirit world, through the energy that you just were speaking about. What are your thoughts about that? Well, Einstein was the first to say that uh, energy never is created or destroyed. It just changes forms. And my book and my assertions are based on the bridge between logical physics and science and spirituality. And I think our culture has asserted to us since the time we were children that it's either science or spirituality. And I would assert that that's not true. 
it's science and spirituality. It's the same thing. And so I would say that um, people who have passed on, their energy has changed forms and it is absolutely still there. And so sure, it could influence. And I talk about in my book, one of my biggest influencers is my grandmother and she's passed on, you know, 35 years ago. So I still go to her for advice and, um, you know, seek her counsel uh, from beyond. And she sends me animals instead of, you know, nice, neat billboards or or messages in my mind. But, uh, you know, different people relate in different ways. And it's about learning to get in resonance with whatever you're trying to listen to. Trust your animal instincts. Tabitha Scott's my guest. And uh, we're talking about how to recharge your life and ignite your power. Um, A lot of people uh, in the last, oh, it's almost 24 months, 18 to 24 months, they have felt as though their power has just been drained. And it seems to me that now, more than ever, it's time to find those ways to recharge our lives, <laughs> find our personal power, and as you say in the subtitle there, ignite it, you know, uh, with something, metaphorically speaking, extremely flammable. <laughs> okay. Um, what, what are some of the first steps that you would recommend in that regard? Yeah, we're feeling off balance. We're feeling drained uh, because, as I said, we are electrical beings. If you listen to the language of people around you, um, he lit up a room. I feel burned out. I feel off balance. He's been transformed. We're in sync. They have a great vibe. And so because it's all about the waves, then you want to be in a high vibe state. The way to get there, the easiest, quickest, most simple way Um is just to think of something that you enjoy doing. What are those things that you lose track of time when you're doing that you find yourself subconsciously humming or you get goosebumps? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's watching your favorite team take the field. Maybe it's painting or or playing an instrument. Maybe it's eating your favorite dessert. Whatever that is, make a list of those things. And when you're feeling really off balance, when you're feeling down, do one and then do another. And ultimately, a purposeful transformation is when you can find a way to do what you love and get paid for that. And that's why you see so many people leaving corporate life now in droves after COVID because they have realigned their priorities and they are purpose-driven people and they don't want to be a cog in a machine anymore and drive and, and sit in an office and feel like they're not part of something bigger. So um, companies are waking up, people are waking up, and the best way to do it is find what you love and incrementally find these little waypoints to feel a little bit better and keep your vibe high. Well, I'll tell you, um, 2008, 2009, hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs. I took no joy in that, but my observation was Basically the same as what you've just described here uh, regarding the pandemic in 2020, 2021. And I even would make the comment uh, about all of these people whose jobs were lost. Uh, they were laid off. Companies were shut down because, you know, whatever. And I, I, I said, I would say, I wonder how many of those people hated their jobs. Uh, how many of those people hated their jobs because it was the family business. Well, my dad did this and my grandfather and my great-grandfather, etc. My aunts and my uncles and my cousins. It was a family business, blah, 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 blah. And it's just what I, it's my responsibility to keep this going for the family. And it's like, really? You think? You really do? You think that? I got some of the greatest advice from my father who said, Richard, Find a job that you love doing because you're going to do it. You'll be doing it for a long time. Don't get stuck like me. Now, my father did not stay stuck. He went to junior college in the 70s, and he got his computer programming degree. That's when they used fan-fold paper and punch cards. 
If you don't know what those are, Google it, people. Uh, <laughs> we had lots of drawing paper. Let me tell you that right now. And he got unstuck. Now, my father is 90 years old this year. Amazing. We've got great longevity on both sides of the family. My mother, 87, uh, this uh, September of 2021. And they're doing great. Um, my dad just had hernia surgery, so he's doing great. Back on the bicycle. It's actually not a bicycle that he rides around. It's stationary. But he gets up there, and he, he, he pedals for maybe 20, 30 minutes, and then he's done. I say, so where'd you go? And he says, nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's great. a real literalist. <laughs> That's great. Um, do you, uh, and, and of course, now we're seeing the same thing happening. And back in 2009, 10, we saw an explosion of entrepreneurial businesses. Mm -hmm. When the pandemic was called and we did something different, we shut things down. I couldn't believe it. I'm going, fantastic. We're no longer living in a world of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. We're doing something different. I've been advocating for 40 years, Tabitha. Shut down the airlines for two weeks when the flu, the influenza, starts moving around, it'll be gone. Oh, no, Richard, you're very naive. That will really put a, 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 a death blow into the economy. As compared to 2020, I don't think so. Two weeks stop people from moving around. And yes, wear your mask. I think it would be a good thing. Wash your hands. Keep a little distance when you hear people sniffling and sneezing and coughing and all of that stuff. And it isn't COVID. It's the flu. Or it's just a cold. You know, that, that cold that we get every once in a while, supposedly. Mm -hmm. And man, it's, it's over. Uh, so I was thrilled. And so I thought, oh my gosh, what opportunities are before us that we don't even know exist yet? Mm -hmm. That's part of what this is about in terms of, uh, again, when you talk about trust your animal instincts, is the first step to, try, to, to look for and find your spirit animal? No, the first step is to look for and find the things that are holding you back. What are those pressures that are holding you back from being able to tune in? And what I mean by that, you just touched on it when you said how people say they should do a certain thing. They should do what their parents did, or they should work in a, a, the same corporate job. And uh, we end up just shooting all over ourselves when we do that. <laughs> and so you have to identify those and get rid of them. And that puts your brain in a place that you can tune into your intuition and you can tune into the animals around you. I think um, having a spirit animal, um, maybe it changes over time. Um, that owl was involved in my life when I was asking at that time. That's been about f four years ago. Mm -hmm. So the animals that have come into my life since then with lessons, bats, snakes, scorpions, cardinals, it's about observing why am I seeing so many to the point where it's impossible to see that many within a short period of time. And then what does it mean? You know, looking it up or looking internally to reflect and say, what does that mean to me? So until you get the pressures and the burnout um, identified and learn how to protect yourself energetically from that, you can't tune in. And then tuning in you know, is about paying attention to the right things. If you're watching the 24 seven news streams that are, you know, doom and gloom, mm -hmm. then expect to feel doom and gloom because yeah. whatever you tune into, um, that's what you become. And some other folks, when you're talking about psychology, they talk about the law of attraction mm -hmm. that, you know, like will attract like, and you manifest it, but in physics and energy, what I talk about is ontology instead of psychology. Ontology is how are you being? How are you actually acting versus what are you thinking? And um, the differences in energy, like does not attract. If you take two magnets with a positive charge, they don't, you can't push them together. You know, that's how high speed trains work and it keeps it above the rails. So 
in energy terms, you're in sync, you're in resonance with something else. And so it's the same phenomenon, just a different way of describing it. And so tuning in like a radio station, um, if you're tuning into positive things and the things that you love and the things that make your heart happy, you're going to be a happier high vibe person. That's just the laws of physics. If you're tuning in to the negativity, oh my gosh, it's ain't it awful, you know, then of course you're going to be a lower vibe person. And you so know, be careful what you surround yourself with. Exactly. And you know, that's hard to get across to some people because they, well, I need to stay on top of what's going on in the world. And I sit there going, I know enough of history to know of man's inhumanity to man. I know it's out there. I can feel it. I don't need to see it every night at 5 or 5.30 or 6 or 10 or 11 o'clock at night or every hour on the hour on the radio or picking up a newspaper and reading about it. I don't need to do that. I know it's out there. And there isn't anything I can do about that specifically. Yeah. All I can do is what I can do for myself and my community, immediate and in general, uh, spiraling outward. And that's exactly it, Richard. It's focusing on the things that you can control. Once mm -hmm. you identify those shoulds and those pressures, ask yourself, is this something that I can affect in a positive way? Is this something that I can make a difference? If so, do it if you feel passionate about if not, you got to let it go Yeah, because it will bring you down. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're talking with Tabitha Scott, author of Trust Your Animal Instincts here on the program that gives you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are looking for those new ways of living. All you got to do is look around you. The old ways just aren't working, which is one of the reasons why uh, we have so much turmoil in the world right now. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, with Tabitha Scott talking to us about uh, trust your animal instincts, I often put it this way to people. Show me, I put this question to them, show me another species, and I have to be that general, other than Homo sapien, human being, show me any other species that hoards for multiple seasons, that collects whatever for multiple seasons. There isn't one. Not one. Yes, the story of the squirrel gathering nuts, that is for the winter, that winter, not for the winters to come. Um... But what do we do? We store, and then, of course, we learn how to process, in this case, the things that we eat, so that they will last years. I, I, you know, I went through our pantry the other day, and I was looking at the canned foods, the canned foods, sealed, vacuum sealed in a can. I didn't even think that they would have what they did have, and that is a Best if used by. There was stuff under there going back to 2006, 2007, 2010, 2012. Wow. Do you know what I did? What did you do? I threw them out. Because <laughs> there's good. no guarantee that that's going to be any good. Right. Uh, and it's like, oh my goodness, we need to pull everything out of the pantry, put it up in the cupboards and start using it. And then we have all kinds of stuff in the cupboards, too. I mean, it's just unbelievable, let alone yeah, in the refrigerator. And that stuff goes faster than it goes even faster. But th that is also true with all kinds of other, I'll call them commodities, if you will, or resources, if you will. Uh, probably made a mistake doing this, but um, we would buy and we use distilled water, OK, for drinking and cooking. And we give it to our animals as well. We were told by our vet that distilled water is better because it reduces the minerals that are in their body. And for cats in particular, prevents uh, kidney stones, as we like to call them. They're crystal mm -hmm. things that are really painful, especially for the cat, male cat in particular. Uh, I would take those empty bottles and I'd fill them with the well water that we would get from the tap. 
which is what we get. We get well water, which has all kinds of minerals in it. It's healthy. Mm -hmm. It's good. But again, it's coming from the ground and has lots of minerals in it. And I would store, and I think at one point I had a hundred or more one gallon plastic containers under the house. Wow. Yeah. I don't have any clue as to how healthy it would be to drink any of that year after, if it sits under there year after year after year. Um, I'm not even sure what to do it's with it. It's probably about what container it's in. You know, if it's well, in plastic, it could take on some of the yeah. plastics. But there you are. I am <laughs> storing away a hundred gallons of water for what? I'm probably going to end up pouring it out on the ground to water the grass or shrubs and trees, which it'll be fine for. Um, so when you take a look at nature, when you take a look at animals and you get uh, in touch with your spirit animal, is there a, uh, I probably don't know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there a particular definition or set of attributes, that's a better word, set of attributes associated or attributed to, in, in this case, your spirit animal, the owl, or is it something that each one of us has to or needs to uh, um, connect with to figure out what those attributes are for us as an individual? I mean, are there some general think, attributes that apply to everyone and then more specific ones for each individual? How's that work? I think when it comes to the animal kingdom, it's all about the individual and how you relate and what you're in resonance with. And uh, some people, for example, they might tune into people that are like them. You know, why do we think we have so much trouble with diversity in the business place, right? Because we tune into people that are like us um, is what tends to happen sometimes. Or maybe you tend into, into the person that is the loudest and the most outrageous. And that's why you watch certain news shows or you know TV stations or follow certain politicians. And so focusing on what you tune into with your animals is gonna be different as well. You mm. might enjoy you know, the, the nice, cat that will lie in your lap, or you might want, um, you know, you might love to go on safari and love wild animals, um, birds or, you know, different things. And so it really depends what resonates with you. And each person is totally different. Some people don't want to be close to animals and others want them around all the time. And so it's finding your tolerance and preference. And, um, you know, even if you don't like them, maybe observing their habits, you know, how are they working together? You know, how are bees pollinating and doing things? When geese fly, they fly in that formation because it's the most efficient way to keep wind off of the one behind it. And they take turns being the one in front, taking on the wind at max capacity. So everyone gets a turn, everyone shares, and everyone's looking out for everyone else. And what are those cues from nature that we can learn to be kinder to each other. Yeah. I think of uh, even wolf packs and they have a hierarchy, the alpha and so forth, all the way down to uh, what you might call the runt, the last one in line, so to speak, last one in line, pretty much for everything, including to eat. Uh, but that changes from time to time because the alpha gets old and it gets weaker and, you know, there are challenges and all those kinds of things. But that is for the self-preservation of the pack. That, that things like that happen. That right. is not a, I don't think that the, the, the beta, let's just say, uh, uh, male who challenges the alpha male and potentially wins is doing it uh, out of a, a sense of uh, wanting power and control like humans do. Yeah. It's yeah. about. Humans are the only animal that are mean for sport. You know, yeah. maybe a cat, <laughs> a domestic cat, but, um, yeah. you know, humans are very different in that way from the rest of nature. It's sad. One of the other aspects, too, as we continue here talking with Tabitha Scott about uh, trust your animal instincts, we encourage you to recharge your life and ignite your power with the work that she is doing, and especially by virtue of going to her website, which is 
powering-potential.com. You can find out more. And you can also pick up a copy of her book at Amazon.com and a bunch of other locations. We hope that you will do just that as we continue here, <clears throat> here on Tell Me Your Story. New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true as we talk with uh, Tabitha Scott about this whole aspect of animals and uh, our our uh, spirit animal, totem animal. Same thing or something different? Totems are signs um, that we receive. So I would call, when I was asking about a spirit animal, the owl um, came up, kept coming to my window. Totems are just signs. So asking, should I quit my job? And then seeing snakes over a period of time and eventually figuring out it meant shed your skin. Um, they get rid of their skin so they can grow into their potential. They literally are held back as long as they hold on to it. Mm. It also gets full of parasites sometimes and they have to shed it to keep from getting sick, which is what happens when you get too burnt out or too stressed out. Um, you have to let go of that. And so totems are answers or signs that you would get. Okay. All right. So we've differentiated there. Um, <clears throat> I've often thought too, especially when it comes to domesticated animals and dogs specifically, but cats, I suppose you could same category as well. Um, when you are trying to train an animal to, as we phrase it, to behave, Okay. <laughs> to do what we want it to do. One of the things that I learned early on was that that is not what you should be doing. Yes, you can train a dog, uh, and, and we've trained Angus. Actually, it was another German shepherd who actually trained him. I think it had to have been by osmosis because they never spent enough time together. He did not care for other dogs. Uh, uh, and, so, um, and yet he learned from this other shepherd to sit and then lie down for his cookie. And he didn't do that before this shepherd came along. So I don't know if it was something telepathic that she transmitted to him. But the one lesson that I learned was not to try to keep him from misbehaving, from doing that which I didn't want him to do. It was to understand why he was doing what it was that maybe upset me or was concerning me as to uh, his behavior. Uh, and do you think that a lot that people uh, th that's the problem is that they're trying to get the animal to conform to their rules rather than trying to understand where the animal is coming from. And that's sort of what the animal's trying to tell them through this behavior. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point, Richard. And it's it's fun. The company that I work for um, in my day job, Southern Growth Studio, does deep insights, anthropology work with customers, but also they've done it with pets. And one of the insights was around um, pets that misbehave. And it was so interesting to uncover that um, we put our human paradigms onto the pet versus thinking, why are they barking incessantly when you leave? Are they afraid? Are they bored? And, you know, under until you unpack why is that behavior happening, you can't really fix it. You're just trying to shut it down, uh, which doesn't solve anything. So treating them um, as you would another human being and understanding, you know, why are they behaving that way? And then what can I do to incentivize them? Otherwise, animals are very much in resonance with us more than we are with them. That's why pets um, are very um, differently reacting around different types of people. And they can tell if you're afraid of them, they pick up on those vibes. I have a son who's a glass blowing artist, Ethan Crawford, and he um, can pick up birds he, you know, deer will walk up to him because he's in such harmony with nature and the glass he blows, it's uh, for coral restoration. So everything that he does, he donates back to coral restoration. And so it's once you're in resonance with an animal, they can really tell. Wow. I, uh, we have a local master glass. I like to call him a glass craftsman. Uh, who's been doing it for, I think, close to 30 years. 
Wow. Uh, and uh, he's originally from Mexico. And a great friend, beautiful work that he does. Uh, I'm going to just give him a quick plug, plug Santa Barbara Art Glass. Uh, oh, great studio um, over on the uh, east side of Santa Barbara. Beautiful work that he does. And I have had the opportunity to actually blow some glass and make a few things, um, you know, and uh, it's, it's actually a lot of fun. But, boy, it's a lot of work to, to do it the is. kinds of things that, that a master glass blower can do. And I'm sure that you're pretty amazed sometimes at the work that comes out. It would be really fun to, uh, and, and I actually think Ethan has looked into your friend's place because he actually teaches, I think, um, yes. the man you're referring to. Yes, I will. Um, Ethan has looked into that. He's, yeah. um, he does a live series and has, um, I don't know, 350,000 followers on TikTok and would love to tour. So, hey, maybe he'll come to Santa Barbara and- hey. Come I on, like your friend. Uh, come on down. It's not my forte. I want to be doing this. I don't want to be glowing, <laughs> blowing glass, especially because I don't want to burn my hands, burn my fingers. You know, it can happen. But uh, he's very careful. He's very good. He's very astute. And his two sons are involved in uh, in in the in the art. Not so much one oh, of them fine. is doing the glass blowing, but the other one is doing other things in the whole art realm. And it's just, it's incredible. But uh, we're talking here with uh, with uh, Tabitha Scott, author of Trust Your Animal Instincts. We encourage you to recharge your life and ignite your power by going to powering-potential.com as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and our special edition on Wednesdays at 9 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also encourage you, and we are going to talk about this as well, we encourage you folks to spend time during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, going within and listening to that still, small voice. Talk to us about how important one's intuition is when trusting your animal instincts. Well, people like Oprah Winfrey and Elon Musk, um, Branson, they attribute their success to listening to their intuition. So it's pretty important. And if you're looking introspectively, um, one of the biggest challenges about hearing your intuition is people will ask a question, ask, ask, ask. And so all of their energy is tied up in the asking when we have to put it out there and then release. That's the hardest part, especially for type A control freaks like me. Um, that's great in business, but it stinks with listening to your intuition. And so <laughs> you have to put it out there and allow it, you know, listen, just allow and yeah. don't listen too hard, just allow and it will come. And what I tell people is to get to that state, not everybody is a yogi that can sit cross-legged and meditate and <laughs> tap in that way. Yeah. Uh, for me, if I go for a long hike first, or um, when I get physically tired, my mind will slow down enough to start to hear um, more of those cues, but watching your body for signs like goosebumps or subconscious humming in your happy freeze at that moment and say, what am I doing right now? If you see an unusual animal, maybe it's a fox or something that you don't see day to day and you see it more than once, where is it? What are you doing? What are you thinking about at the time? And so it's treating life like a little puzzle that you're curious about versus I need all the answers right this minute. Um, and it will be more fun and it will come to you faster. Yeah. I want patience and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to pray for that. And then I had a son and uh, then I prayed for it even more. And I had another son. So I quit asking. So you stopped praying because you'd uh, reached your quota. <laughs> I just prayed about something else. <laughs> I see. Okay. There you go. Change the focus. Change the focus. Uh, you know, it's interesting about uh, this aspect of animals, uh, animal spirit animals and so forth. Um, I think I'm going to start asking to either confirm or find out what my spirit animal is. Uh, and that the only way to do that, obviously, is to ask, what is my spirit animal? What is it? What is it? What is it? And... 
I've often wondered, too, about the animals that cross our paths. We were driving down the, uh, the highway that we come down every day, and it was far enough in the distance. It was not in any danger, but it was a fox that raced across perpendicular to us. And the first thought was, I wonder what that means. Or a crow that flies in front of us and seems like it's not, it's like it's oblivious to our presence and that we're going to hit it, but it flies off. What does that mean? What, 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 is, what is the universe trying to tell me? Uh, is that uh, anything, is that, is there a correlation between those happenings and our spirit animals? I think um, spirit animal itself is more of something that um, it goes back to a lot of Native American practice and different practices from the past. So spirit animal is more of a, um, a way, a nomenclature to define what is one overarching thing that defines my spirit the most. So they would name their children in that tradition, for example. Whereas I think animals that you see in general, it's kind of like the people that you meet on the street. You know, you get different lessons from different people. If you see someone um, paying it forward in the coffee shop mm -hmm. and buying, you know, the person's coffee behind them, that's something you witness and you get a vibe and a feeling from that. And so that's like seeing your crow or seeing, you know, a, an animal along your path, it's an encounter that you're having. And so it's, um, it's using the spirit or it's using waves, you know, vibes to communicate with you. And it's up to you to decipher what that meaning is. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, we had a, a gal on uh, some years ago um, who talked about dreams and dream interpretation. And she would assist people in drawing out the details of the dream but would not define those details for them, that they had to do that because yeah, for every can't. person, it's different. Right. I mean, a train for you is something different than if it was a train for me because right. mine might be a steam locomotive and yours might be one of those electric trains that's hovering, those magnetic trains in China that's right. <laughs> that that's hovers right. above the tracks and flies at uh, 600 miles an hour. Uh, it's it's really, really something. I wonder, too, are you in touch with, do, do you pick up, I don't want to necessarily, maybe more intuitively than, say, telepathically, on the animals that are in your life in terms of, shall we say, what they're trying to say or tell you? Even if it's just to tell you how much they appreciate you, how much they love you, thank you for taking care of me, for feeding me, for cleaning my cat box, for whatever, those kinds of things. I think, I think so. And I think many of us do more than we realize. And um, you, if you feel happy inside and you're around an animal, yeah. chances are they are happy. inside. you know, so it's what are you resonating with that animal? Um I feel like because I've spent time growing up with animals and in nature, because I'm very in tune with them, sometimes more than people, because people are kind of hard to read sometimes and, and very guarded. Yeah. Whereas the nature around us and animals, they don't have those filters. They are just being themselves all the time. And so I think they're actually a lot easier to read than um, people. Somebody shared with me uh, that uh, they were going on a trip uh, and they had left and uh, they received a, a message uh, from their partner back at the house that, uh, hey, uh, you know, the dog is walking around the house looking for you and crying. You need to come oh. home. And it's like, wow. And I, you know, and again, it's, it's subject to interpretation because... You know, maybe that's not the reason why the animal was crying. Maybe it was something else. Not necessarily there was anything wrong with the dog in this case. Maybe it was something to do with the person there at home. As well, and that's exactly where my head is, is maybe the dog was missing him. But more than likely, the dog was picking up on the feelings of the person that was at home because right. they are great at absorbing 
our emotion. If you find a human that's almost always sick, their dog is almost always sick. You know, if you find there, there was a study where they took children, a group of children to um, the, the pound, you know, and they had all these puppies to adopt all different types. And the gregarious girl at the front that was social and chatty, that little girl picked the little puppy that was running around all over the place. The kid in the back, you know, with his head down on his desk that mm -hmm. was shy and withdrawn, picked the puppy that was by himself, that wasn't playing with any of the others. And so, you know, we tend, we all tend to go towards what we're in resonance with. And so, you know, what are we tuning into that, you know, animals find us, we find them, but they pick up on how we are feeling. That's why if you're feeling down, they'll come put their head, you know, on your lap or something. Yeah. Do you also feel that uh, uh, they, the animals, specifically domesticated, but, you know, it could be wild as well, they, they do indeed pick us. We don't pick them. That they come into our lives for a particular reason and for a particular period of time. Lost, uh, lost one, of our, uh, one of our animals uh, um, once. We lost one of our dogs and a woman who is connected to the spirit world, especially with animals, basically told us that he had finished the work that he was here to do. Now, he died young, by, you know, by comparison, uh, but uh, still. And so it was like, OK, that that makes it a little easier that he was here for a specific period of time and he wasn't taken from us too soon Although we would still say it was too soon because we, yeah. we don't want him to go. I mean, I had a beautiful white uh, shepherd husky mix, a white with a little pink nose. Um, she was, her name was Makushla. And the last 14 months of her life, she could not walk on her hind legs. So I had to Aww. lift her up. We put diapers on her. We had pee pads all over the place. And we did this for 14 months. Uh, because um, we just felt that she still just had so much love and life in her. Yeah. But finally, at the end of 14 months, we finally agreed, it's time. And she mm -hmm. was letting us know, it's time. And we left her there at the house. I shouldn't say we left her there. But we did not take her to the vet. The vet came to us. Yeah. With all of the other animals that we have. And we learned this lesson years ago so that they could be there at Makushla's passing. And two of the cats actually came up and nuzzled her, uh, you know, and so forth. And uh, it was really quite, uh, quite remarkable. I mean, I still feel, I don't know, I kind of wish we hadn't gone on for 14 months, but, you know, we did. And uh, the same person who shared with us the information from the spirit world of of the other animals um shared with me about makushla after her passing and saying oh thank i'm free of that body and i will be with you over your right shoulder i think it was uh watching over you and helping you along the way um you've obviously i uh, you you've told us that you've had animals in your life that have come and gone do you still sense them I still remember them. I still um, often dream of them or, you know, I might have a pet that seems eerily similar to them. Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't really, I haven't tried to communicate directly with those that had passed on. And, um, but you dream about them, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I do think that they were there for a, a place and time. And what you said about the other animals, processing it and they can actually see the spirit leaving. They can see those things. When we had um, a beautiful white boxer that we rescued from the pound and when he passed um, my son, he had a um, cancer. And so at the end um, he went through a process and it was a natural death. And my older son who um, went through undergrad medical programs was explaining what was happening with his body and the other dog from another room in the house came in at precisely the moment he died, gave him a little nudge with her nose and then laid down for just two or three seconds and then left. 
Mm. Literally, how did she know to come in at that exact moment? And, you know, what did she say to him, you know? Mm. Wow. Beautiful. So I think it's about understanding their process. And I had a friend in Tucson who had a pair of doves outside her home and one of them flew into the window and passed and she removed it. She didn't know that it needed to stay there for the other one to reconcile that it had passed. And so the mate, the girl um, is still waiting at the window for the male to come back because they mate for life. And, you know, it's been many, many months now. So it, it's a great thing that you did. I think in my opinion to allow that natural process to take place as much as possible. Yeah. It was one of the lessons we learned because, um, back in Phoenix, we had a, uh, a, a pack of four Siberian Huskies. They were a sled team, mother, father, and, and two siblings. And the father went first, followed by the mother, followed by the sister. And the brother was the last one left. I could, and each time we took them to the vet. And the brother, upon losing his sister, I've never seen an animal grieve. Mm. And when people say that animals don't have souls, I'm going, uh, I don't think so. I think you're wrong. Yeah. They feel, they grieve. Why would they grieve over a loss if there wasn't some level of connection, of compassion, of love, of understanding, uh, of what they've lost? Uh, and to me, that, that signifies that they have a soul. And that's when Makushla came into our lives. She became a caregiver for him because he was the elder uh, as far as uh, the elder brother. Mm -hmm. And um, so she was there for him. Uh, then we moved here to Santa Barbara, and we think we gave him an extra year of life, getting him out of the Phoenix heat. Mm -hmm. uh, then Makushla was with him when he passed. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, I think it's just so important to allow the animals that are there to experience that, to have that opportunity to, then they know what has happened. Because yeah. when you take them out of the home and you take them to the vet and put them down, then they have no clue. They don't know where they went. It's just confusing. It's very confusing. So we learned that lesson very, very early on because we got a call at work uh, that morning. Uh, uh, your dog is howling like crazy, mm. you know. And uh, again, so when we got Makushla, that settled him right down because at least he had somebody there because he was used to having a companion. Yeah. And somehow they just clicked, just clicked. And it was beautiful. And so was she. We're talking with Tabitha Scott, author of Trust Your Animal Instincts here on Tell Me Your Story. It's new paradigms for a new world. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Wednesdays, the special edition of Tell Me Your Story, 9 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. And if these programs resonate with you, folks, if you like our subject and our guests and you go to their website and all this good stuff, and you'd like to support the work that we are doing to try to bring these kinds of guests to you and get this information out there to try to make this a better world for all of us, I mean all of us, animals and humans combined, and you'd like to support the work we're doing financially, we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. Just go to PayPal and go to send and put in my email address, richard at richarddugan.com. Any amount is gratefully accepted. And uh, we really do appreciate those who have helped and who will help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And again, participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. Spend that time in that quiet, peaceful, calm place listening to that still small voice or maybe even tapping into the voices of the uh, the critters that uh, went on before you who were in your life uh, years ago. Uh, I have not actually spent a lot of time doing that, but I know she's there, Makushla. Uh, I also had a dog named Alfie uh, and he was a, uh, um, he was a chow, uh, let's see, he was a border collie chow mix. And uh, I, 
I put it this way, I lost him in the divorce. And then they ended up putting him down because he was nipping at everybody. And I, I'm, as soon as I heard that, I'm going, yeah, and I know why he was nipping. Because he's at a hurting dog. He was hurting <laughs> because I wasn't there. And unfortunately, Aww. we couldn't we couldn't take him with us because we had that pack of four Siberian Huskies. And when we brought him over and they were in their run, nice big run for them and separated by a fence, he was walking around the yard and he was drooling, which showed that he was afraid. So it just wasn't going to work. And so we just weren't able to take him. And I, I really feel badly about that. But I think it was safer for him in the long run. So um, and that's really unfortunate. And. I know that uh, there are those who would argue that, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a bad dog, as just bad humans who, who train them badly. I don't know. Uh, all I know is that if you don't show fear and you are respectful of their space, do not get... <laughs> you hear about these uh, kids in particular, but adults too, who get in the face, especially of dogs, and it almost doesn't make any difference what's, what breed it is. And they get bit. And it's like, yeah, because you got too close. You invaded their space without getting permission. You know? I think that's extremely important. Because we have space. You and I have a, a space around us. And we don't like people intruding into that space, do we? That's important to keep in mind, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. They're getting into our auric field. Yeah. That and energy that you actually feel it. You know, the, yeah, you, that energy you were talking about earlier. In martial arts, yeah. they can train with blindfolds on because they become used to, you know, um, sensing their auric fields around them, their biofield. Wow. And, of course, you talked about that at the beginning of the program, about us being electric. Because we're made of energy, and yeah. it extends beyond just this body. It right. extends into a field, and you can feel it when people get in your field. Do you see auras? I can see auras, yes, uh. when I pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how well it works over a Zoom, uh, especially if you don't have a great camera like me, where mostly what you see is, I, it's look, it looks like I've been out in the sun for a little too long, but I haven't. It's just my camera, so. <laughs> so but. I see yours as a light blue hue, kind of a sky blue. Any particular meaning in that, in that particular color? You know, I would have to look it up. I, I don't, uh, you know, typically read auras and, you know, tell people what they mean. Mm -hmm. I just have learned to observe them because I do energy work with people. And it's like, um, I explain energy healing work, like you're connecting, um, you're jump starting a battery. You have a negative charge in your left palm, a positive one in your right. You put it on two energy vortexes and you jumpstart that part of the body. It's just mm. science. Again, it's not woo-woo stuff. So oh, no. um, anybody can observe auras. And, um, you know, in Eastern societies, it, it, they still see them. Animals yeah. see them. Yeah. So you just have to work on the rods of your eyes. So if you turn out the lights, that's how you, you um, enhance and improve the rods of your eyes versus the cones, which is what we're used to seeing. So... Well, I know that when you do this, uh, if you do this just right, you can feel pressure between the hands. Yeah. And you can see it you if know? you do it, especially a white wall is great um, oh. to have behind you or in front of you. Um, and you can do that and, and you can see the energy between your fingertips. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That is really very cool. This is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan. Tabitha Scott is my guest to trust your animal instincts and we hope that you will do that by going to powering-potential.com find out more about tabitha find out more about the book get a copy uh, so that you can recharge your life and ignite your power tabitha i want to thank you for giving us so much time here on the program to uh, share this this whole insight into uh, our uh, spirit animals as well as uh, dealing with our physical animals uh, in our homes but also out in nature as well um, and I would highly recommend folks, you go into Yosemite, for example, stay away from the bears, leave them alone. <laughs> Golly. If you must take a picture, get a telephoto lens. Okay. Indeed. Take it from a distance because there are people who are 
mauled and or killed, but also who are cited and fined huge amounts for getting too close to the bears in particular. So just be respectful. That's what I say. Um, I have three final questions that I want to ask you, but I thank you so much for giving us so much time today. No problem, Richard. Before I do, let me remind our listeners of the times that we're on. 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Sunday, 1 a.m. Monday, 9 a.m. Wednesday, streaming live at richarddugan.com, on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Amazon, as well as on YouTube where you can watch these videos on the channel. Richard Dugan, tell me your story. Look for the guy with the hat. Can't miss me. And we hope that you will do just that and also support the work that we're doing financially through PayPal. Richard at RichardDugan.com is the email for you to send uh, whatever you can to us. We'd greatly appreciate that and also participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. And you know the drill there. Spend that time listening to that still small voice. With that, the three final questions that I ask all of my guests, you may have answered them to some degree during the interview, but I like to ask them directly. And the first of those three questions is, who is Tabitha A. Scott? An energist would be my answer. I'm someone who helps bridge the gap between science and spirituality. And my expertise is in energy, both electrical and human energy. And so I would say I'm an energist and I want to share that uh, renewable, um, literally energy power is available to all of us. It's free and uh, you don't have to go to the jungles of Costa Rica for three months like I did to find it. Um, Just do things that you love and keep your vibe high. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I want to let people know that energy is the basis of all things. And therefore, we have far more in common than we do differences. And so whether you're left or right or black or white or Baptist or Buddhist, it doesn't matter. Uh, We all have that same energist core. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose might change every month. Who knows? But uh, so far, I think it has been to um, do things that I'm passionate about. And whether that was doing the world's largest solar community or, you know, accelerating the adoption of renewable energy. Now it is helping people understand that we're all made of energy. And so we have the capacity to recharge, to help each other and to spread love. And who knows what it'll be next. Mm. Powering-Potential.com is the website. We will be linked to your website so people can go there while they're listening to or even watching the interview. And again, we thank you. And we thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, first of all, ask, what is your spirit animal? And love to law.